This is a podcast where I enjoy a sirloin steak and everyone else is jealous. Still? <laughs> I'm more of a ribeye guy still myself. still doing that? Oh, okay, okay. That's just what we like, had. That's you know. still happening. Yeah, I mean, sirloin's fine. I like cheese steak. Hello, everyone, and Hello. welcome. Hi, welcome to uh, Make Believe Heroes. To my mom's basement. Oh. Your mom's basement. I am your dungeon master, and uh, I sound like I'm dying because I might be. Um, this is Make Believe Heroes. Welcome uh, to this Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, what is it? Actual play, fifth edition. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons podcast. and Dragons <laughs> adventure. Uh, I'm Paul. Barely here, alive in spirit. But we're going to play some D&D today, I promise. But to do that, I'm joined by five people who I, kn- I know. I'm not. Shut up, Jeffrey. I'm not playing today. Hey, guys. It's Jeremy, and I play Blaze Blightwood. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Joe. Sif Stormbright. Mama. <gasps> got him! <laughs> I got everybody that listened. Wow. I'm Alan. And I play Brackle. I'm Ishbabinob, <laughs> and I play no. Bob. No. I don't know no, what Alan. that is. You're not But I like it. My name is Alan Boone, and I play Brackle. Nice. Brackle. 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 <laughs> I'm Felicia, and I play Professor Margaret Cavendish, also known as Cavendish. Meg. Margaret Cavendish. My name is Zach Lobb. My social security number is five. Zero. <laughs> 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 I, I, live it. I play Chris. Chris keeps rocks in socks, and uh, we're gonna play some Dungeons and Dragons here in ju- here in just in a sex. few minutes. We're gonna play it, uh, but before we do that, of course, we have a few things to take care of up front. One of those things is giving a shout out for one of our beloved patrons who support us on Patreon.com/slash Make Believe Heroes. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash heroes and find all kinds of cool rewards and things. You can get access to like early release Fridays, some special episodes only available to patrons, things like that. Paul's DM Corner, et cetera, et cetera. Go check it out. Um, support us. And if you do, we'll give you a shout out live on the show. Just like we're about to do for this, one of our beloved patrons whom we love, James Rivero. Thank you so much, James. You're the worst. <laughs> we cannot express how much we appreciate we your uh, patronage. We don't appreciate Thanks so much for listening, for following along with us, and supporting us with your hard-earned cash. Uh, we appreciate you, and you rock. Yeah, boy. Another way you can help the show. You rock our socks. You can uh, go uh, on to iTunes or Good Pods or anywhere where reviews are accepted and leave us a five-star review. Five stars. And we have a lot of reviews, actually. That we need to read. So we're going to do two today. Uh, the first one. Me first. Me first. Me first. Oh, Jeremy is going to read. Jeremy, you got that review ready? I got it from Bradley Clark. Well, we know it's him. It's got five stars. And it's it says, Brady. It's Brady. Brad- oh. I have it's it. Brady. Do it again. Bradley, Bradley Clark. Clark. It's Brady Clark. Uh, Bradley, this it. one's for you. Bradley, this is for you. <laughs> Thanks, Bradley. <laughs> we're hey, totally Brad. it. Okay. Oh, Brad. So, Brady Clark's, pardon my yeah, ability to read and speak English. <laughs> Well, it's okay. Wow. It's in, it's titled. Wow. 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 
Wow. When I tell you this is the most immersive podcast, it is the most immersive podcast I've ever listened to. These guys are hilarious, and their DM is one of the best storytellers I've ever heard. Please. If you like D&D, then this is the podcast for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brady. We quite literally grab you and pull you into the podcast. Literally. I love immersion. Suffocate you Intense with Intense immersion. Immersive. Baptize you. Uh, mm. Thank you for the five-star <laughs> review. Pretty sure Brady recently became a patron, too. So eventually, yeah. maybe you'll get a shout-out on the get show. Get it, Brady. We'll see. Yeah, Bradley. <laughs> Good, Good luck, Bradley. Yeah, Bradley. Thanks a lot, Bradley. You rock. Much love. Thanks, You're Bradley. Favorite, Bradley. <laughs> Thanks, Bradley. <laughs> I'm going to read another one. I got to read it out. This review, is a, it, I, it would appear, it's a joint effort. This one comes from Chris and Jess. From two people, Chris and Jess. Chris and Jess. Uh, working together. Uh, titled, A Roller Coaster of Emotions and Spice. Oh, spicy. I had listened to other D&D podcasts, but none with as an enjoyable DM and players that brought me along the journey of storytelling as MBH. I started listening in February 2022, mostly on my drive to and from 20, work, 20, 20. and have officially caught up to the most recent season four, episode 37. This was back in June of last year. What a great story Paul and the entire crew have given us. I've laughed so much, cried when I least expected. You're welcome. I was on the edge of my seat in anticipation during battles and role-playing alike. Keep up the spicy good work. Oh. Spicy spice. Also, I love the NBA Champions episodes. Each one gives us so much detail and builds the world of Monomi out so much more. Thanks again for everything that you all put into this. P.S. Misk and Mogert are the best. Chris and Jess. That's debatable. Chris and Jess. Stop, Jeff, for let me have my Delete moment. It. Thank you, Chris and Jess. We appreciate your review. Thank you so much uh, for that review. That was wonderful. Thank um, you. I really appreciate it was a, the love. That was a mid-review. I love it. I know you're great. Thank you for the review. Uh, if you love us, go support us. We'll read your review on the yeah, show. Boy. And just like they said, this is a show filled with spice, for which we are very thankful as it comes from BattleBards. Extremely spicy. Go to BattleBards, Battle check Bards. out. They have the perfect spice for your gaming table, sound effects, music, and the like. They rock, and we hope that you will love them as much as we love them. BattleBards has been keeping the spice flowing since 1893. It's a long time. That's exactly right. They will literally burn your D&D <laughs> campaign to the ground. That's right. Let's, uh, let's roll a giant blue D20. There's no one here to verify, but it's a nine- Nine. 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 That's fine. Nine. Felicia is recording off off world tonight since I'm under the weather just out of. I'm actually on Pluto, the dwarf planet. Nice. She's in the Mario world. She is. Yeah, yeah. The mushroom kingdom. Yeah. It's a Mario. It's a me, Felicia. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about what happened last time. On Dragon Ball Z. On Schmigaloo. Make believe heroes. Last time, our adventurers departed the Onyx Ziggurat with the Shade in tow. On the way, they helped return Mia to the Ankh-Deulux, where they were greatly rewarded by the Maka. They parted ways with Karn and returned to Venthaven. Passing through the bright city of magic early in the day, they came swiftly to the Elder Conclave. Upon arrival, Brackle found Hilna waiting for him there. The High Priestess of the Temple Zalberstone had invited him to visit her, for she believes that she could assist with the magical parasite that's attached itself to him. As Hilna departed, agreeing to wait for Brackle in the library, the group entered into the chamber of the Conclave, where the governess Marleyan Eleth asked the Shade to guide them toward the prison of the Crooked Father. But to her chagrin, the Shade simply responded, saying, 
I'm afraid I've never been. I don't know where it is or how to breach it. Or if I did, I simply can't remember. Marleyan looks back over her shoulder toward the Archmage Silverthorn, who gives her a knowing nod. With a sigh, she turns again toward you all and the Shade. I was afraid of that. Well, it seems that uh, your mistake, Joseph, of revealing your possession of the Pearl of Remembrance was unavoidable. I suppose we're going to have to have it if we are going to uh, find our way to the prison of the Crooked Father after all. Hmm. You're going to give that to the Shade? Oh, of course not. Of course not. But I will allow him to use it. Well, if, if this is the, the way that you need my help, then I'm afraid there's no other answer but to give me the pearl. No, 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 Shade. Do not misunderstand. We're not going to give you the pearl. But if you will help Joseph to retrieve it, then we will allow you to use it, so long as you agree to give us the information which we need. So where is this pearl? Yes, Joseph, tell us. Where is this pearl? Just where I left it. And where might that be, Mr. Stormbright? It's at one of my secret stashes. And is this secret location offshore, or is it here on the mainland? Offshore. Ah. So it is ships that you will need? Yes. I can provide you with ships and transportation. That was, after all, what you were seeking, wasn't it? Help getting back to your things? Yes, actually. We will give you transportation to your things. We'll provide you with ships... Uh, because, as well, I assume that you all know, she says, kind of speaking to everyone, the seas are not safe as they have previously been. Travel via sea has become quite dangerous in these days. Indeed. There are many ne'er-do-wells pirates, if you can believe it, she says with a little quick eye toward Joseph. That is hard to believe. <laughs> but also much worse. Um, beasts and creatures, uh, the like of which we have not seen in many, many hundreds of years. But they have risen from the depths and are causing very, very harsh difficulties for all of our seafaring sailors. I am sure that we will not have such troubles. I'm afraid you will. But I will supply Joseph, you with a ship if you need one, to take you. Or two. I don't need a sh ship to take me. Oh? I have a ship. I see. But I need accompanying mm. ships. Ah. Well, it's all the same to me. So long as you retrieve the pearl and bring it here, I will gather a crew of sailors, some of our most resilient, to travel alongside you and protect you all and open a pathway to, I assume we're speaking of some sort of island? Yes, it is an island. Of course, when you arrive, gather what you are there for and return post-haste. Haste post. How many days would you say it will take you to reach this place by sea? Probably two or three. It depends on how sufficient your crews are. Well, I believe that you will find our crews to be the best in the world. We are, after all, Venthaven elves. We live by the sea. 
both figuratively and literally. As do I. Of course, you shall take the shade with you. Also, Lewin, would you like to stay here with me? Uh, well, I mean, stay here and wait. Here. Shade kind of gets a mischievous grin on his face. Well, I, I suppose I should probably go along, don't you think? You never know, they might find themselves in some trouble. Perhaps I could help if the time comes. I mean, after all, I've already had to save this one once, he says, pointing at Brackle. You never know what might happen. That's true. All right. Well, if you insist to travel along with them, then we will be here awaiting your return. But I, I will insist that you make haste, if possible. The danger that hovers over all of the world draws ever nearer. The whole world? All of the world. I shall, I shall set about making the proper preparations. Make sure that our ships and captains and our soldiers and mages are ready to go at first light tomorrow. Joseph, will that be enough time for you to gather your ship? It should be. Right. I am very efficient in my ways. I have but one um, stipulation. What's your stipulation? For both you, Joseph, and Zeluin. If I give the help, the aid that you need to retrieve the Pearl of Remembrance, the two of you must give me your unbreakable word that you will assist us in what is to come. Unbreakable word? <laughs> That's very serious. That is strong language. Well, I am a man of my word if I'm nothing else. I said I would tell you what you need to know. And that I will do now. I'm not going to be putting on a breastplate and marching out against the Unchained. But I will assist you with knowledge. For that, you have my word, Governess Marleyan, he says with a wink. I suppose that will <clears throat> um, suffice. Uh, Joseph, will you assist us? As a businessman, I always keep my word. Oh, I am certain that you do. And what is your word, Joseph? Sure. Sure? Sure, I'll help. I'm not going to get much more than that, am I? That's good enough, isn't it? <sighs> Margaret, Professor Cavendish, if you would please. Yes? You may be wondering why I have involved you with such as these. I, I did wonder that a few times, yes. And uh, Chris, Mr. Insox, um, <laughs> we brought you, of course, we ordered some things which you have delivered from Fizzy Gear Guild. You see, we expect that we are going to need a way to travel beneath the surface of the sea. Oh my. And Margaret, Archmage Silverthorne tells me that you uh, have carried on the work of your dearly departed father. Yes, I, I have continued my father's uh, work. Um... I know that was kind of against the rules of the college, but I, I took care of myself and, and the people I was with on those journeys, so I, I do apologize for that. Archmage Silverthorne steps up next to her. Margaret, there is no need to mince words. I'm aware of the work that you've been doing. And if I were overall disapproving, I would have told you. The truth of the matter is, the work that your father pursued and the work which you are now trying to complete, we need you to finish that work. And Mr. Insox, 
<laughs> Can I call you Keeps Rocks, or should I call you Chris? Uh, Chris, please. Chris, the technology and the magical power that you've brought from your home is invaluable in this research. We need to create a vessel that may travel a great distance and deep pressure of the sea without the need of dozens of mages to support it. I believe that your items, your technology, may be able to provide Mrs. Cavendish, Miss Cavendish, excuse me, Ms. Cavendish, with exactly what she needs to finish this vessel. And I also understand that you trained under Mr. Gearby himself, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, for years of my life wasted. We would greatly appreciate the help of your expertise, and of course we will compensate you very handsomely. Yeah, anything I can do to help. Is this alright with you, Margaret? Are you are you willing to help us with this? Yeah, I, yes. I, the school has done so much for me and my family. I I would be foolish to not accept. Of course you would. She, she's, as she said, foolish. We will supply you with a team of uh, capable engineers who will support you. You will, of course, be the lead with, well, you and, and Mr. Inside, um, excuse me, Chris. The two of you together, I am confident, can lead our engineers in creating something truly new, powerful, and magic. We are paving ways in the knowledge of this world in which we live in magic. And also, you are not just creating something for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of the entire world. The world. Manumi, they call it. So, Joseph, you in the shade will travel by sea to your stash. Retrieve the pearl, return. Margaret, you and Chris will build this vessel, which we so desperately need. And hopefully, both of you can accomplish this task within seven days or so. Brackle. That's me. Mr. Blightwood, will the two of you assist Joseph in his journey, or do you have something else that you need to do? Unless either of you think that you have expertise to lend to the building of this special vessel. Would me agreeing to do this... Like, I'm, I'm confused about the scope of what I'm committing to. Is this like a journey, or is this like, you know, we're going to leave tomorrow? Two or three days. Leave at sundown, sun up, and be back within a week. Okay, so I should do this, is what I'm hearing. It's up to you. Yes, I will go. You have my bow. Excellent, excellent. But I still I have an appointment at the library, so I need to do that first. Oh, right, of course. Well, you you, should, you have the whole day. But this is sunup we're leaving, right? Yes, first thing in the morning. Right, Joseph? Yes. Is yes, that yes. sunup a.m. or sunup p.m.? A.m. That's the only, yeah, yes, the only sunup that there is, Brackle. Not sundown, sunup. Wait. Sun sideways. When the sun rises. If you stand on your head, it's sunup. Mr. Blightwood. Yes. Will you also accompany them on this journey? You do not have to ask me asinine questions. I obviously am going on this journey. Well, then you all have preparations to make. I have preparations to make. Ms. Cavendish, Mr. Chris, you all have much to do. And only a week. Uh, yes, but I have full confidence in your abilities. I'm afraid that, like I said, the, um, the spring equinox is coming up on us quite quickly. The sooner we can gather everything that we need for our final press toward this darkness, the better. I will be working furtively to gather as many as I can from across the world to help in this battle. But for now, let us each do our own parts.
So, um, you all are dismissed. Do you leave? Blaze follows Meg's leave. Everyone turns to leave. The door's open behind you after she gives that, like, parting address. Yeah, I start walking out. Where were we meeting in Sunrise? At the docks, where your ship's going to be. The docks, yes. Once we get outside, Mm -hmm. I was going to look at Brackle. Brackle, do you need us to accompany you to the library? Brackle, do you need company? Uh, I, I got I got this. Don't worry. I'm, I, I am well equipped. Then in that case, I will go to the tavern and lose all of my money. Oh, we're going to a tavern, are we? Lose some for me. Can I accompany you? I'm actually going to a, to a tavern. Oh, well, interesting. To call in my crew. Oh. And it is a good place for you to lose all your money. I will go with Joseph. Uh, you all do have a lot of money recently, if you recall, gathered from the illustrious Makar of the Ankhteolux. It's true. I wrote, I wrote that down. Oh, wait. How much more did we get? Yeah. Felicia, how much did y'all get? 8,000 rock worth of gold. Yeah. I think it was 8,000 split between the five of you. That's 1,500 gold. He's going to go put 1,500 down as a... It's a lot. It's more than you're going to spend tonight. I'll tell Blaze that. I will lose all of my money in one hand. I will lose all of my money. Um, I should probably also, like, give you all some experience points and stuff. What you did. XP. That sounds nice. I'll do that here in just a moment. Level 12. 12, 12, 12, 12. What exactly sort of tavern are we speaking of here, Joseph? Are we speaking of a upscale situation or more of a seedy type of place? It uh, it is probably not the upscale type. It's the hogshead. Perfect. That is just the sort of place I like to frequent. It's easier to steal everyone's money. <laughs> not that I need any money. I just like to take this, you know, just for sport. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Then you are going with the right person. Let's go. I'm ready for an evening of revelry. You know, I think we should go with them too. So? I need to know where everybody's going. I'm going. I'm going to the library. We're going to the tavern. Going to the tavern. As you guys are talking, the uh, the door behind you opens and coming out steps up the archmage, Theron Silverthorne. Yes, uh, Margaret, I'm glad I caught you before you were gone. I would like to give you any and all support that you need for this endeavor. I have a couple of engineers who I think would be perfect for the group. Would you like to look over the dossier I've put together and choose your team? Uh, And also, I need to know, would you prefer to continue with the experiment at your own shop? Or would you rather use the -the state-of-the-art stuff we have at the college, of course? And we'd be more than willing to transport all of your material or what you have there. If you'd like, you could show me. Or if you'd rather I not be involved, I, I don't want to step in the way. No, that that sounds perfect. Um, we can go. Actually, they're going to the tavern, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to go or not. So, uh, sure, I can take you to the garage and show you what I've been working on. Chris, you're welcome to go and and see. We can move it to the uh, school, like you were saying. Excellent. Uh, let me let me send a sending right quick to my office, uh, and I will tell them to prepare a nice place for all of your things. All right. 
But if you would like, I will certainly accompany you. I, I would love to say hello to Solana again. So. That sounds great. And maybe we'll see you guys before you leave tomorrow on your, on your mission. Oh, yes. Perhaps we'll get a chance to swing by first. Do not die. If not, you can find us at the docks at sunrise. All right. Uh, Chris is down to go <laughs> uh-huh. wherever we're going, but he would like to go look at spells um, while he still has a chance. So whether that's before or after, because I'm thinking about picking up a couple new ones. Oh, okay. Well, the College of Magic is a great place to do that. Yeah, I figured. So they can help you out with that. You'll have plenty of time to do that. You can do it right now if you want, or you can just wait and do it later. But you will have plenty of time to do that. Brackle. Me. You're heading to the library? I am heading to the library. Uh, you know where that is? I don't know, do I? You don't, but you can easily get directions. Hey, uh, you there, scoundrel. What, <laughs> what's the way to the library? You're just calling someone? <laughs> uh, no, I look for signs. Okay. I track, I sniff the air for books. Where, where should we all get? Well, I suppose, Margaret, you and Chris will be staying behind while we take off on this very dangerous journey, I'm sure. Uh, Brackle, you'll be accompanying us. Where Where exactly should Brackle look for us later, Joseph? Tavern is called Bluster's Barroom. Ah, Bluster's. Bluster's. That sounds familiar. Maybe I've been there. It's a wonderful place. You got that, Brackle? Yeah, yeah. Bluster's. Yes, Bluster's. Uh, we'll see you there later, shall we? Fare thee well. Brackle, you head out. You're traveling um, south from here. You're pretty close to the like campus of the College of Magic. You expect that the library would be pretty easy to find, but as you do get out and about inside the college, you see uh, the place is weird. There are a lot of buildings that are weird. like hovering up off the ground. There are little islands held up by some strange blue magic uh, floating around. You know, there are classroom buildings, there are towers, there are concourses. You see what looks like some sort of large grassy football field just hovering over the plain of Vent Haven. Uh, you see a lot of these things, and it's kind of hard to follow. You see maps, but arrows kind of point up and like diagonally in different directions. Pretty soon, you find yourself slightly disoriented. Um, you can roll me a survival check, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask for it with disadvantage because this is about as much of an opposite of forestry as a person could possibly have. But it's pretty close to Branshire, right? No, no. Branchire's I'm basically in Branshire. You're basically in Branshire. So I, I roll two and take the mean? Yeah, you all gain 6,000 experience points, by the way. What? Hey. So everybody can add 6,000 experience. That's too much. I don't want that. No, you take the lower one. So what do you got? Lower of what? 6,000 and what? Of your rolls, Alan. <laughs> your disadvantage <laughs> rolls. Uh, 15. Oh, well, that's not too bad. Well, I mean, fi- it was an eight, but adding plus seven, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the fifteen, you, you do manage to to go from one sound to the next. Do you read? Do you speak Elvish? I think you do, don't you? Where are my languages? Elvish, I see, is one of your languages. So you're able to navigate around. Eventually, you do find the library. You come to the library, you find it is a large, lavish building, um, but of the buildings you have seen, it looks to be one of the more traditional, uh, like white stone pillars, you know what I mean? Very grounded. Uh, all of the floating kind of messes with the books and scrolls a little bit, so they keep this one firmly on the ground. Uh, it doesn't look that big, surprisingly. 
much smaller than you would have thought to the library, which is probably why it took you a little bit longer to find it because you were looking for a much bigger building. You thought College of Magic. I mean, they're going to have a huge library, right? One would think. You enter the library. You step inside, and there is kind of like what you'd expect, a large desk. But the moment that you step inside, you notice that the room definitely does appear bigger on the inside than it looked on the outside, but not like crazily so. You know, it's not like stepping into the TARDIS. It's just, it seems to be a lot more airy in here than you would have thought, Uh, but it's very simple. It does have the smell of old books, and you step forward, and there's a a desk sitting there, like a semicircle desk, someone standing there. They look up at you over glasses. It is a, a female elf. She has deep, deep black hair pulled back, uh, behind her ears, and she's wearing a pair of glasses. She looks, you know, youngish. Hard to tell with elves. She sees you approaching. Uh, let me make a charisma check. Then I'll approach. Hello. The, how can I help you? Are you looking for something in the library? Hi, yes. I'm supposed to meet a priestess here. Hilna? Hilna, yes. She's waiting for you. Um, if you would like to follow me, I'll show you just where you can find her. Okay. I follow. She steps steps down... And she turns, she's got a little, looks like something kind of like a clipboard in her hand. And she turns around, walks down one of the halls to the right that, uh, I say halls, it's like halls of books. You know what I mean? There are books going out in directions. Uh, She leads down a hall of books. You travel, uh, you follow after her. Pretty soon you come to a wall, turns left, and she stops and kind of motions a hand forward. And there's a, a corner there with a small bookshelf. It looks very old. Uh, and you see Hilna um, standing there with her head down, looking over a scroll in her hand. Hi. You walk up to her. I do. Hello there. Oh, Rackle. Welcome. I I suppose you're ready to go with me then to the temple. Yes, let us go down into the temple. Before we go, uh, it, it it's, it's about a half a day's journey from here to the temple, but... Recently, we have acquired a new way of of travel that is reserved only for those priestesses who are a part of the temple, but I will take you along with me, but I must warn you, it it can be a little bit disorienting. You don't have any sort of beasts or animals or anything like that with you, do you? No. Well, at this time, we've not quite figured out how to get them through, so it's just important to note, not a mouse in your pocket or something. If you'd like, you can follow me. And she walks over. There's a there's a small door behind her, like right there in the corner. And like it's just a stuck away in the little corner. It's almost, it's like just the right height where you could step through it without hitting your head. And there is no handle on it. There's a door, but no handle. And there is a lock, a hole for a, a key. And she steps forward and she's wearing the same like simple white robes she was wearing when you met her. She reaches into the pocket of her robe and she pulls out a key. I mean, it, it's it's definitely a key. Like, it's not sort of traditional, like you'd you know think a key would appear, but just you immediately know that there's nothing else it could be but a key. And it, it seems to be made of a sort of translucent crystal, uh, like a bluish, almost sapphire, but a little bit more translucent crystal. And she places the key inside the keyhole, and when she does, she turns it, mm-hmm. and there is a click and a hum. And it sort of like vibrates inside the door. And then the door swings open. And there's like a sort of, it seems like almost like a film over the doorway that you can see through. But it's hazy. 
and she she turns to you and she holds out a hand like for you to take her hand. Uh, take her hand. She says, do not be afraid. And then she turns and walks through pulling you with her. I go. You pass through and as you do, it is disorienting. It, it, you feel almost a sort of like static power all around you. As you're stepping through the door, your vision becomes filled with the same sort of tealish blue light that you have seen lighting up the power of this entire city. It's really just a moment, but it feels like a few seconds pass by as your body is passing through this like sort of pressure. And then you step out onto hard ground. And it's very windy. And you feel your stomach kind of leap inside your gut, like almost like a motion sickness or like, whoa, you know, sort of thing, right? Do my ears pop? They feel like they need to. So Bracco keeps doing that thing with his jaw, like... Uh, you see Hilna, like, tilting her head and looking towards you. Are you all right, Bracco? Yeah, just uh, my ears, they were a little little poppy after that uh, trip, you know. Do you need to sit? Do I? So, no, dude, I don't know, do you? Uh, no, no, I think I'm think I'm good. Just trying to get my ears back in order. Her bright, piercing eyes, like they sort of, you kind of look at her and it kind of focuses you, you know, and you feel you kind of get your feet back under you. And you look around. Like I said, it's very windy. Uh, and you look around and you appear to be on some sort of sharp cliff face. Uh, behind you, you look back from the door you step through and there's a small circle, like stone archway. And there are glowing runes on it. And you can see through it uh, into the hazy visage of the library, but then you see the door pull closed, and then the the sort of like translucent film just disappears. Huh? Come, Brackle. High Priestess is waiting. You look up beyond her, and you see what looks like an ancient stone castle, large parapets standing up. Uh, there is a enormous wooden uh, gate that is lowered. Uh, just kind of, kind of the 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 picture perfect view of what you'd expect, Oops. like almost a sort of medieval castle to look like. And she says, "Welcome to the Temple Zalbastone." Uh, I get the feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. So, Joseph, can I help you? Y'all are heading. You know, cross town. Is there anything? I just need to know: Is there anything else that you're doing on the way to the place, or is the place is you're just going straight there? Blaze is going straight there. Sure, I'm going straight there. Margaret, uh, you travel to the house, right? Marguerite. Yes. So you get to your house, or you get to your mother's house. Chris, you're going with her, right? Yes. You arrive. You both arrive there, and you do what? What do you do? You step into the door. You knock on the door. What do you do? Yes. Step in, knock on the door a little as I'm walking in, Okay, I guess. Hello, come in. It's just me, Mother. I have some guests and an old friend of yours, Archmage. Oh, Theron, welcome to our home. Archmage Silverthorn steps in. Silana, it is wonderful to see you. How have you been, my dear? My dear? Oh, we've... Stop hitting on my mom. We've We've been quite well. He's hitting on my mom! Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, what what brings you here? To, what brings you all here at this time? I thought you were out uh, taking care of some sort of a mission, Margaret. Yes, we were going to show the Archmage some of our um, progress on the, actually, the project, Mother. Father's project. Oh, you were going to show that to the Archmage? 
they actually knew about it all along, and um, they want us to use it to save the world. I see. Well. It's a lot. It's a lot. You might want to pour some tea. I'll do just that. And uh, the Archmage steps in with her, and they're making small talk while she's fixing some tea. Uh, if you'd like, you can go and into the... Uh, as Margaret, along with Chris, you step over toward your shop. Mm-hmm. What do we see inside Margaret's shop? So when you walk in, it's it's not... I don't know. It's not as, you know, dirty and um, messy as a usual garage. Um, you could tell there's some areas that get more cleaning than others because it's like, I'll clean this and then, you know, leave that for later and never get to it. Um, but you see hanging from chains, different engine-looking parts mm-hmm. and just a lot of machinery and things right. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a few little little robot-type mm-hmm. things that look like they're doing their own thing trying to work on this one machine in the middle. It's a big workshop. See a lot of stuff going on there, Chris. Is it anything that I would even remotely find familiar? Not necessarily familiar, but you can see the inner workings of what's going on here. Like you're familiar enough with these sort of creations that you're you're seeing like this these some of these designs pretty brilliant. You know what I'm saying? I just start picking up some of the little like tinker toys. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, these are incredible. And and this, and I walk up to the like big machine in front. Mm-hmm. What exactly are your plans for this? Oh, you know, and she goes over to her desk and puts on these big, like, leather Mm -hmm. gloves and gets her goggles, puts them down. (laughs) Just look over here, and I flip this board over, Mm -hmm. and a light shows on it, and it shows the plans for what we're Mm -hmm. building. And it's on the lines of a submarine. You don't really know what it doesn't really have just this one big look yet, but it's you could tell it's uh, it's gonna be big. A lot of like designs and and um, you know X marks and all yeah, this stuff. A lot of process. Chris immediately walks over to I guess like the projector, and he's like wide eyed, mouth open. He pulls out mm-hmm. a notepad and just starts scribbling notes and measurements and like taking notes on the schematics. This could work. It, it will be pretty amazing. Um, How long have you been working on it? Well, I've worked on it with my father, um, but after his passing, I didn't work on it for a year or two. And then I decided to pick it back up because that's what he always wanted. So. And now we have seven days to finish your father's dreams. <laughs> I like our odds. Yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have been working on it for a few years You're... between now and then, but... It's still pretty unfinished. There, there are a few key things that, that are sort of the things that you and your dad both like could not crack. And as you guys are kind of going over this and talking about it, the door opens behind you and then comes... Uh, Theron, again, Archmage Silverthorn. My goodness, it does seem that you have been working quite tirelessly on your father's dream. Um, But, as I promised, I brought along one of our best engineers. This is my son, Halifel. Halifel! Nepotism. Halifel! Dude comes walking in behind you. He's kind of got his hair pulled back, dark hair pulled back in a ponytail. Hello. 
The name is Hallafell. You can call me Hal. I he will be working together on this project. Margaret, does she does she know him or know of oh, him? Oh, you know, she knows or? who he is for sure. Okay, okay, okay. Hallafell, as I live and breathe. Margaret, uh, my dear. I've heard about all your work. Oh, and I have heard much about your work as well. Uh, but I certainly look forward to us working together. And he takes you by the hand, leans down, kisses you on the hand. Oh yeah. Are they married now? <laughs> and um, Mr. Mr. In Socks. Keeps rocks and socks, but you can call me Chris. And I extend my Chris. Uh, fake hand to him. Uh-huh. You can call me Hal. And he extends a hand and comes to take you by the hand. And when he grabs it, I detach it and it just swings limp in his arm. Oh. Oh, dear God. I've built a thing or two you in my lifetime. <laughs> he drops that it. That man's hand fell off. You fell for oh, it. Oh, no, 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 no. That, don't, don't drop that. And I pick it up in a hurry and put it back on. I'm sorry, that took me a bit by surprise, but um, I look forward to us working together. I am a specialist specifically in harmonics, which I believe are going to be uh, quite an aid to your task ahead. But for now, shall we work on getting all of this moved to the, uh, the right places? Yes. We could take all this, boys. <laughs> Got dudes just start walking take, in like uh, they're just wearing all like, of my... white jumpsuits and start carrying. No, I'm just kidding. They're gonna move it magically. They're gonna move it <laughs> magically. Yes, yes. Make sure you take everything over here, and you see like a picture frame with like a newspaper clipping mm-hmm. of her and her dad. Yeah. And you see them like he's she's pretty young and. He's got his goggles on, and he's smiling, and it says Luminor Cavendish on it. Mm. And she's on his shoulder. Yeah. And she's wearing goggles like him. Yeah. Make sure you get all that. I'm, I'm going to need it. When when you say that, Halifel goes over and grabs it off of the uh, like the wall, and he just brings it over to you. Perhaps it would be best if you held on to this yourself. It would be safer that way. You're probably right. Yeah, come along. She puts it in her stuff. Brackles and Yeltius. Me. You step forward toward uh, the entrance of this great castle. Like I said, it is. Um, it seems like a like an ancient castle. You can see the wear and tear of the stone on the outside and, and different things. But, I mean, it's still very well kept. It's just it looks ancient, you know. But as you step inside the main gate, the interior is a different story. I mean, you can feel the sort of static power of the Lantern of Prevalian. It almost seems to radiate up through the floor. There is a glow about the place. Uh, that same bluish teal light. Before you in the center of the atrium, there is an enormous image, a likeness of Preval- who you assume to be Prevalian. It is a beautiful woman wearing, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a statue, but of a beautiful woman uh, dressed in, you know, flowing robes. And she has in her hair uh, like a sort of tiara made of the scallop of Prevalian. Tall and beautiful. It, it seems to be crafted from a pure, like, translucent crystal, but color shines up through it and it's shifting from orange and blue, red and green. And you know, it sort of changes with each, each time you look at it, it looks different. There are other ladies wandering and moving about throughout the atrium, similar in garb to Hilna. Uh, they see you all, but they, they don't do more than just a quick pause and a nod as they pass by, and Hilna greets them in kind. Hello. As she, s- still holding your hand, takes you through. 
you all continue forward, uh, approaching the opposite side of the atrium, and you pass through another set of two large wooden doors. Inside this room, there is a beautiful, a gorgeous blue, tealish blue coral, you know, like the, not coral, but like a tealish blue, ocean blue runner on the ground that uh, flows up through this slightly inclined room that's slightly inclined downward from where you are, leading up to what you'd have to describe as a sort of altar um, of lights. There are shining lights. Are you going to sacrifice me? Is this how I die? (laughs) Sounds like it, bro. (laughs) Should have brought a friend. Um, (laughs) It is, think like rows of candles. You know, think like a Catholic church where they've got like the candles, the prayer candles or whatever. Think kind of like that, except there are rows of these shining blue lights coming up from the tips of what look like candles. But as you approach, they're not wax candles. They are like flutes of white coral. And the same blue, powerful light, glowing power of the Lantern of Prevalian is shining up through them. But not all of them. There seems to be a sort of pattern. And before these flutes, there is a woman passing back and forth among them. And she will reach out and she will place a hand on one of the flutes. And you'll hear her like whispering certain things or humming certain tunes. And some will alight, others will go out. And she's passing back and forth, whispering to herself, singing these little notes and tunes. I don't like this. And these lights come on and off and things like that. You all continue forward, and as you get within probably about 10 feet, you stop where the, the, the runner sort of ends before these flutes, and Hilna sinks down onto both of her knees and lowers her head in a sort of like a prayer, like obeisance toward this woman. She doesn't say anything for a minute, um, and she doesn't say anything to you either. Rackle just sits back. You just stand there? He just stands there kind of like, hmm. Okay. Well, like, what's going on? And after a couple of moments, Hilna says... High Priestess Elevera. And the woman finishes the tune she is humming, and another of the flutes alights, and another goes dim. And she turns toward you all. She is beautiful. She seems, she is wearing a sort of headdress. Uh, there, you know, think like a cl- almost like a nun would wear, like the cloth that goes over their head. But it's only, it's not over the whole front of her hair. It's only like halfway back and it covers down like a veil on the back of her head. And she has hair that is so blonde, it's almost white. In fact, so it might be mingled with white. It's kind of hard to tell in this weird bluish light everywhere. Um, but she does appear beautiful. She appears youngish, but she also somehow seems, she seems like she could either be very young or ancient beyond belief like she has a sort of weird air about her that it's hard to put a a finger exactly on her age you know you see her hair you you see the way she's dressed and she she turns towards you all and she places her hands sort of together before her waist and as you look up at her you are caught immediately by her eyes which are solid white you turn to stone what and she doesn't seem to be looking right toward you 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 infer that she is she seems to be blind uh, what? Oh, hello. Welcome, Rackle Zenialtis. Thank you. How how you know my name? You may rise, Hilna. Hilna stands, and but she still just gives kind of a bow and, and steps back behind, like giving a little more distance between her and the high priestess. As the high priestess walks forward toward you, and as she does, she reaches a hand forward and she places it gently on your cheek, if you allow it. I allow it. I 
have seen you, Brackle. That's me. I have seen you in my visions, those given to me by our goddess. Oh. I have also seen the shadow that has you in its grips, Brackle's Zenyoti. Can you, can you help? I believe that perhaps I can. I have seen much of you, Brackle, Zenyoti. How? I have seen your past. I have seen your future. One that could bring you great happiness. I like that one. I have seen one that will bring you misery and death. Can you tell me how to get to the the first one? I'm afraid I do not have the power to weave fate, Brackle. But... But I wish to help you as I can. Is there anything in between, like, right now and those two points that you know about? Or is it just, like, now and then a snapshot in each direction? Sit, Brackle. I sit. And as you sit, she just kind of, like, sinks down with you, a hand on your shoulder. And she gets down on to her knees at eye level with you facing you. And she places both hands on both sides of your face. May I, Brackle Zinyantis? Yes. You feel a sort of pulsing of magic through your mind. At first, it just feels uncomfortable, but then it, it becomes painful. Like there's something sharp stabbing in the middle of your spine, in your back. And at first, it's just like, a, like an irritation, like you're laying on the ground and there's a rock. It's kind of like that at first, but it grows and it becomes increasingly more painful. Oh, crap. And then all at once, it's like it lashes out and it feels like your, bl- like your spine is exploding. Uh, my, my spine's tingling a little bit. Should it be doing that? Right when it's becoming unbearable, she releases you <laughs> and it stops. And, and, and you didn't know it, but your eyes had closed. And as they open, you see everything had gotten very dim around you for a second, and now it's brightening back up again. And her eyes are still wide open and blank. It is as I feared, Brackle. The shadow that has latched onto you, Brackle. It has melded with your very immortal soul. Can we get it off? She looks at you. It's kind of hard to read her expression, but when you ask her that, she gets a like a more serious look on her face, if you can believe that. Yes, Brackle, I believe there is a way to remove this parasite of evil. But I'm afraid it does not come without a cost. For this next part, I need everyone to take off their headphones except for Alan. I'll text you in just a moment. It won't take long. You can't hear this word. What's the cost? This shadow is beyond my ability to destroy. The only way that I know to remove it is to transfer it to another. I can grant you a a sort of totem, a spell. And she holds forth a small piece of that same coral, like white flute coral type thing, that those lights are made of behind her. And she holds it in her hands, and then she closes it, and when she opens them again, it's turned into a small, smooth stone. I take it. No, don't don't touch it. Oh. With this stone, it is possible to transfer the shadow from you to another vessel. With the correct incantation, which I can teach you, 
It is not necessary for them to be a willing vessel. Can it be somebody who's like about to die and so that kills the shadow with it? Will it hinder their afterlife? <sighs> that I cannot say. All I can say is this, Brackle. You may transfer this shadow to a willing vessel who would sacrifice themselves for you. Or you may transfer it to an unwilling vessel. Perhaps, as you say, someone at their last breath or perhaps an enemy, an agent of evil. It is also possible that an agent of evil who has embraced darkness may be able to turn this shadow to their own gain. What about, like, an animal? I'm afraid not. Only a sentient and self-aware soul may receive this shadow, Brackle. So it can just be a soul? Can I do, like, speak with dead and then stick it in them? I'm afraid not. You're not going to find a magical loophole to save you from this, Brackle. I'm just trying to be ethical. I'm afraid you've been given a very difficult pathway. And you may choose to bear the shadow yourself. But let me warn you. The longer it remains attached to you, Brackle, the more dangerous it will become. Unless you can find someone who is willing to accept it in your stead. Or someone on whom you are willing to enforce it. Your life is in danger. Can you tell me which which choice will lead to the happy thing, which one will lead to the sad thing? I'm afraid I cannot, for I do not know. Is this a test of my moral turpitude? Yes. Every step of life is a test of our moral strengths. The gods are ever watching, observing. I don't I don't want to have turpitude. Perhaps this is a test of the gods. Perhaps that is why this has happened. Although I do not think the gods are responsible for what has occurred. Antonio would never do this to me. Right. The one responsible is Sebastian Blackfire. And I will say, if we are successful and we can destroy the darkness, perhaps you will be spared if you can survive that long. Another question. Yes. Will this work on a Dracon Kelly? If a Dracon Kelly were willing to accept, or, or not willing, if you were to press this on to one of them, I see no reason why it would not work. Of course, I do not understand the power of the dragons. It's possible that they could stop it, but... So, just to be clear, I gotta take this stone, say an incantation... Simply touch it to their skin. When you say the incantation, the shadow will be transferred through the stone and enter them forever. Forever. Joseph, takes a while to get from where you guys were to the south part of the city, but you do, you come to the southern gates by the main road, and then you take a hard left uh, toward the east, and you travel along the, the sort of side roads uh, until you start to get into a little bit more of not a rough there's not really like a real rough part of event haven it's a very nice place very well kept up but you do come upon uh a tavern uh, the place where you're trying to get it is a, a a relatively small building compared to many around it kind of off the beaten path but you joseph along with the shade and um blaze 
approach the door of Bluster's bar room. There is a one single door has etched onto it a sign embossed in it. You should you could say um, what looks like a, a bent a palm tree sort of bent over like in the wind and under it uh, in a nice font. Bluster's bar room. So this is Bluster's, is it? This is the place. I've never been to this establishment. Tell me, we're not about to get to do any trouble, are we? No, no trouble at all. Of course not. Well, I told Glum if he hadn't heard from me by the morning to come looking. Shall we? We shall. You open the door. And you are immediately accosted with a lot of noises. People talking and laughing. There's a sort of jovial air to the place. And there's a strong smell of salt water and seafood just coming out of here. Uh, and it, you look around, very simple. Uh, wooden floors, uh, nice tables. Oh, I'll say nice tables, like sturdy tables. That's what I mean. I don't mean like fancy. Everything looks sturdy in here. Hard to break. There are, I mean, this place is full to the brim with sailors. You hear talking and laughing and, you know, you, know, you hear some tankers being slammed down on the table. And across the room... On the other side of the room, there is a, uh, well, you, you notice one thing, and that's that's a, a jaunty tune being played. Jaunty? Jaunty. You know, like a, like a sea, not, not necessarily a sea shanty, but something close to a sea shanty. It's straight up a sea shanty, you know, being played, you might say. And uh, there's a guy sitting there. He is playing. I mean, this dude's sitting there. He's like, a, you look over, you see this one-legged human. Got a peg leg and a black hat on top, and he is playing this one with all that he has got. Uh, I mean, just really getting down with his bad self. I mean, rocking out. People are clapping along, you know, stomping. Some of them are singing along with it. And you do see right behind him, uh, as he is playing along this, this sea shanty, uh, there's a table. And up on top of this table, there is a short figure standing up on it, dancing his little heart out. He is dressed in simple seafaring clothes. He has bright red hair and a bright red beard, and he is dancing with all that he's got. And you see your seafaring companion as he is flipping and flopping and dancing, and as the, the, the sea shanty comes to its end with a strong key, he does a backflip and lands atop a giant brown bear standing in the center of the room. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> and everyone claps and cheers as your buddy, Kellen, ends with his strong dance. Who's that? It's your boy. It's your boy. And with a roar, Charles puts a stamp on the end of the song. Is there a bear in this establishment? I'm pretty sure that is a bear. And he like starts reaching for his great sword. <laughs> Joseph? <laughs> no, stop. What are you doing? <laughs> He's just a bear. I have many scars from bears. Oh. This is a bear. Is this the sort of establishment that feeds bears, Joseph? Uh, this bear is actually a knight and a pirate. <laughs> a knight. I forgot, yeah. He's a knightly pirate. A pirate, you say? Well. I'm so happy. You know one another, I suppose? Yes. Yes. We work together. He's my captain. Well, oh. all right, so he's a part of your crew, Joseph. Yes. Well, um, hello, no, my name is, well, you can call me The Shade. And The Shade steps up and sticks a hand out towards you. Hi, my name's Kellen. Uh, I stick my small hand towards him. 
Seems we're going to be getting to know one another a little more. And uh, your bear as well, I assume. Hey, Kellen. Yes. Will you do the thing that I need you to do? I pull out a flintlock and I uh, put it to the guy's temple to the left of me. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, no, no save that for later. Save that, that for later. Oh, That's no. the, the other thing. The um, other thing. Yeah. Can you rem- can you remind me what that thing might be? We need to send for the crew. Ah, the crew. Our crew. No, your crew. Bring the boat to shore. Oh yes, we need a ship for the morning. We're leaving at sunrise. Sunrise. Yes. That's like tomorrow. Yes, yes you should tomorrow. probably move quickly. Whatever. It is I you need, need to go. Ah, and well. He, Kellen just like runs out the door, just <laughs> as just fast as possible. Charlie takes off after you. Pleasure to meet you, Kellen and Sir Bear. He just throws his hand up. All right. Well, that that was fun and eventful. Shall we lose all of our money? I will not. But Blaze can. And as you all set out to lose all of your money, and Brackle is doing what he's doing, and Margaret is uh, doing what she's doing, that is where we're going to end episode nine of season five of Make Believe Heroes. Woo-hoo! Kellen's back! Episode nine! We did it. A lot of things are happening. I'm so pumped! Um, Let's go! Kellen's back! Kellen's back for, for, a, uh, for piracy. Apparently he's a pirate. And um, there's just a lot happening, you know? A lot happening here. A great way to kill off Kellen. Yeah, finally have the opportunity to just end Kellen. Swab the poop deck. Um, hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We love you. We're so thankful that you are uh, here with us on this. We love you. This journey that we're taking together. I uh, hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, let us know. Reach out to us. Letters at MakeBelieveHeroes.com. You can email us. You hit us up on MBH Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, go Patreon, follow, support us, and get on our Discord, all those things. We'd love to hear from you because we love you and you are the wind beneath our wings. Yay! And I love you too. Thanks for listening, everyone. Woo-hoo. We'll see you next time. We love you Goodbye. too. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. I'm a Herschel Hashbaz, and I play <laughs> Ishbabino. Alan. Alan, for the love of God, please. I am Bernard Aaron Guerin. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Alan, you've got to I am Alan Bood, and I play Din Charan. <laughs> oh dear God. Okay, okay, for real. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere <laughs> waiting for me. Brackle. I've never heard that song. Is that a, a Branshire original? I actually wrote it myself. <laughs> well, that's quite lovely. My lover uh, stands on golden sands and watches the ships <laughs> that go sailing. That's a good one. Beautiful, Brackle. Beautiful. No more sailing. Brackle. No more Brack- sailing. Brackle's yeah, yeah, in the yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my crews love that song. Oh, well. You all can sing it once you're out of my presence. I'm glad to meet the person who actually wrote it. If I have to travel with this group much longer, <laughs> I am going to jump into the sea. Yeah, for years of my life. Well, then we would... Wasted. We would... 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 We would
weren't you going to remove my shadow? It's not her. Different lady. Oh. You still want, you want to give it a try? She doesn't know anything about the shadow. Okay. In fact, I will remind <laughs> you now that Hilna said specifically not to mention it to the Archmage Hilna. Silverthorn. Very specifically. Did I say my shadow? <laughs> I meant my shubadoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> shubadoo, yeah. My spine's tingling a little bit. Is, is that, should that be happening? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like severe, like overwhelming pain. It's your spider it's like, sense. Uh, my, my spine's tingling a little bit. Should it be? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Spider Man. Another question. Yes. Will this work on a Dracon Kelly? Perhaps an orange one. There is no such thing as an orange striking Kelly. Yeah, but if there were, and I did this and it killed it, wouldn't that be a twist? Yeah, I was thinking like if someone's much stronger than me, you know, it's like whenever you inject a horse tranquilizer in a horse versus. All right, this is this is this is good. We I think we've got enough here. I think we're good. 